and brightest day and blackest night. All other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power. Oranges lust and blues you can trust. Indigos feel and white ones heal. Yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Chad and Mars face evil's minds. Respect their power for they'll make you see the light. Hi, everybody. I'm Chad Bokelman. I'm Mark Marble. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 425. That's right. This is our, um, I guess, part two of maybe three. Uh, Probably now it'll be three, even though if we would have known we were actually going to record on this day and under normal time, if things hadn't been delayed, we probably would have just still made it two issues. I mean, two episodes, but yeah. So I think that'll mean our next, I don't know about next episode, but the next future state will be uh, talking about Generations Forged and the House of L. Right. Uh, the future uh, future state issue that came out this week. Um, if not anything else, uh, I do know that, I can't remember, I, I, I'm getting only certain things future state um, physical copies of, but I'm getting all of future state digitally so I can just see what's going on and kind of keep up with what stories there are. Uh, and if I like something, you know, I'll go get the physical copy. So for instance, uh, the Aquaman uh, series has been pretty great. Uh, of future state in terms of stuff that I didn't expect that was just really stand out. Um, but one of those, one of those series, and I can't remember which one, cause I, I have read it, but I, I need to reread. Um, the first issue ended with obsidian. So I don't know, might be worth, uh, I don't know about, I don't know about recapping fully on the show, but it might be worth talking about. So I'll have to see how the rest of that's that story goes. But for sure, uh, Future State House of L and uh, the Generations Forged one shot. Uh, but tonight we are talking about Future State Justice League number two and Future State Green Lantern number two. Um, we're going to go ahead and start with the Justice League. Uh, and we pick up basically right where uh, we left off. The Justice League has been uh, supplanted by uh, the Hyper Clan. Uh, and the the Hyper Clan is a team made up of white Martians that were banished by the Justice League. And we see them doing what the Justice League normally would do, uh, kind of keeping up appearances. There's little hints here and there, if you didn't already know. And I'll come back to that in just a minute. Um, but basically, their whole idea is to just get revenge on the world that banished them and destroy everything you know your typical villain plot uh then what you see uh is the real justice league made up of jonathan kent superman we have sojourner Mullen, which is our green lantern from far sector we have uh aqua woman in the form of uh arthur and mara's daughter we have you got a floor uh, we have a flash from another world and then we have uh, the next Batman. Uh, if you're if you're reading the future state series or keeping up with them at all, this is the next Batman, the Batman from that title. Um, but anyway, uh, they are on 
they are not on Earth Zero. They're not really giving a name to this Earth officially. Uh, this is just a version of Earth in the multiverse. It's uh, full of fire and ash. That's Aqua Woman can't access her powers in terms of manipulating water or anything uh joe's readings are saying that the you know the planet is not sustainable they find a camp obviously where the hyper clan lived uh and uh they talk about how you know the justice league trapped them here in a hell for white martians you know a planet made of fire their weakness um they start fighting and arguing with each other and then flash basically says i can share some of my speed briefly with you i hope Let's go back to Earth and kick some ass. They do. Uh, they show up right as uh, the Hyperclan sort of starts to reveal itself to the populace. They fight, take each other, take the Hyperclan down by uh, doing something that the current Justice League in this future, uh, in this future state, um, cannot. Uh, supposedly, the bylaws don't allow, which is kind of uh, associating with one another publicly or, or uh, you know, uh, outside of official Justice League duties. So it's how they figure out who is a white Martian and who's not. Uh, they take care of the problem. They agree to go to dinner and get to know each other. Uh, and uh, at the end of it all, they sit around the Justice League table, uh, you know, say each other's first names, essentially, and say, all right, first order of business, who do we invite to join our Justice League? Uh, and we see, uh, it looks like, um, I can't remember, was that supposed to be just a Cesarnian or like Lobo's sister or like, uh, it's definitely a Cesarnian. Right. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure which one either. Then we have Megan Moores, which is uh, Miss Martian. We have a Robin, uh, and we have a Mr. Miracle. We have Guardian, and I forget who this is over here. She's she's in one of the Future State titles as well. Uh, and this one was by Josh uh, Joshua Williamson, is the writer. Rob Zenroka is the penciler. Daniel Henriques is the inker. Uh, uh, Romulo Fajaro Jr. is the colorist. Tom uh, Napolitano Tano is the letterer. Dan Mora did the cover. Cal Nagu did the uh, variant cover. Andrea Sway is the associate editor. Alex Carr is the editor. Do you want to talk about that or go? Yeah, right into... I mean, I don't think there's a whole lot to talk about in in the in in this story. It's so very straightforward. So, yeah, so we can talk about it. I I didn't. The art bothered me more in this this issue. I didn't think the it's. Not, not just Joe, who obviously no. At this stage, the only person who can really draw Joe is Jamal Campbell. Uh, she just looks completely out of place when anybody else tries to, especially with the hair and the and the goggles. It looks really, really weird. Kind of like Kyle and the crab mask. That is just most people just can't get it, and it looks weird when people try. So I didn't think I didn't think the artwork was was fantastic in this issue. I do I I liked the fact that they use the basically they they use their lack of knowledge about each other as a as a weapon because of, of to weed out who was a Martian and who, and who wasn't. That was clever, but I also liked the fact that they realized ultimately, which is somewhat which is somewhat ironic since the, the, their lack of knowledge about each other helped them, you know, win the day. They they did realize generally speaking that was a weakness that that really wasn't, you know, the ultimate shortcoming of the of the previous Justice League or or you can't really function as a close team if you don't get to know each other and everybody's standoffish and it's just hey just you know when, when the time comes call me but other than that stay the f away uh and i don't need to know anything more than what we need to do on this mission and then go away so i did like the fact they kind of like overcame that uh i guess as a team it doesn't do all that much for me i mean i'm so there's i'm not saying i wouldn't be interested in reading about the about this team in the future but it's not like it would be oh yeah i'm absolutely gung 100 gung-ho to like pick up a monthly book starring these guys but it was it was okay i thought Part one was better. 
Yeah, this one felt really straightforward. Uh, uh, and obviously it just needed to be wrapped up within two issues. So, uh, but I, you know, I, I did enjoy the art. I thought it was well done. Um, I think the variant cover was interesting on this one. Uh, I did not end up getting the variant cover for it, but in, anyways, uh, one of the things I wanted to point out is in this, uh, in this thing, we have them talking about how the white Martians can't replicate some of the abilities of the justice league, including like the water manipulation powers of Aquaman. One of the things they also mention is they can't manipulate the construct creating abilities of, of, um, the green lantern. And if you notice here on the very first page, the fifth panel, that uh, net that she's carrying is just a regular net. True. So, I mean, you already know what's going on. You know, this is not the real green lantern, but I like that artistically they didn't like forget like this don't color this like a green construct this is not what you think it is um so that's kind of cool um uh, it's interesting to see the white martians again it's been a while since we've seen them so yeah i like that it, i like that it also felt like a justice league origin story in a way because it, it, it did the whole okay kind of kind of it did the whole thing that uh, justice league did when justice league went from justice league to justice league unlimited like all right who's up who's on deck next uh we've we've figured out this team thing let's bring some more people in good point so it felt cool felt familiar um all right uh justice league dark Sure. All right. Uh, Justice League Dark Part 2, titled Prophetes, Prophetes, uh, whatever. Uh, Writer is Ram V, a name you'll want to pay attention to in 2021. Artist Marcio Takara, colorist Marcelo Maiolo, letterer Rob Lay, associate editor Andrea Shea, editor Alex Carr. Uh, We open uh, with uh, the uh, current holder of the Nabu, the Helm of Fate, uh, who is seeking ways to fix the helm to t- attack and go up against Merlin? Finds uh, a woman named Hahuet, uh, and uh, who is a, I guess, a friend of Naboo's, who will fix and mend the helm, but at a cost. Basically, she altered him in a way that he could only be. Uh, released at a certain time as a way to hide him from Merlin and his troops. Uh, Merlin had cast a glamour spell upon the world so that they wouldn't really see kind of the horrors of what he had done. And the way in which uh, Etrigan uh, is now sort of... uh, as we saw in the previous issue is passive to all this and not fighting against Merlin. It turns out Merlin split Etrigan from Jason blood and is essentially according to Etrigan being held hostage by Merlin. And, uh, you know, Merlin will kill Jason blood if, uh, if anything, you know, if Etrigan goes against Merlin Uh, and, you know, uh, over the decades and, eons that Merlin and uh, or that uh, Etrigan and Jason have been attached at the hip to one another. Etrigan's obviously grown fond of Jason, but uh, the the new Dr. Fate, uh, who I, I always forget his name, um, but uh, he tells Etrigan the truth is uh, Jason Blood died a while, a long time ago. Uh, you've got nothing really holding you back. Um, so Etrigan has this long conversation with Detective Champ inside of kind of their soul world where the two of them can communicate back and forth 
Meanwhile, uh, in Cardboard Town in Las Vegas, um, Merlin's uh, army is going up against Zatanna and Ragman. Ragman has accessed another soul within his uh, cloak that Etrigan gave him. This one seems to be a dragon of some kind, hell dragon or whatever. Uh, Jason, uh, I'm sorry, John Constantine is there as well. Um, They, the Naboo, uh, Dr. Fate gets knocked down uh, out of the sky uh, by the Enchantress, uh, who is on Merlin's side. Uh, They try to, you know, spur Zatanna to, you know, kind of, pick up her magic and fight against Satana. Enchantress really pulls uh, kind of a whammy on the whole team. Uh, Etrigan finally decides to wake up uh, out of uh, uh, Detective Chimp and uh, goes up against Enchantress. And Merlin shows up with Jason Blood uh, in uh, armor, or rather one of the Black Knights who is revealed to be Jason Blood. But he is gone. He is corrupted. Uh, he is not the same man. Merlin orders him to execute uh, Etrigan, who kneels down before Jason Blood, ready to die. But uh, Dr. Fate intervenes and says, uh, I have a bargain for uh, you, Merlin. Basically, I will go into your service if you spare them. And uh, what Dr. Fate, uh, Khaled, that's his name, says is, do you know the accurate meaning of Hahuet means numerous beyond count? She did not show me just one future. I have seen them all. I have lived them all. Some sort, some eternally long, some short, some eternally long. That is the price I paid. There is only one future in which we win, and this is not one of them. But you are a demon of hell, and you perceive time differently from the rest of us. So remember, past actions may yet be influenced by the future you have seen. My freedom for your lives, uh, by my count, a fair trade. John, every it matters. Everything we do matters. Rory, you'll rise above your own powers. And Z, you brought us together even in the dark, in this dark hour. We would be lost without you to lead us. Diana believed in you. I do too. When you doubt yourself, remember, where there is magic, there is always hope. The end. So it ended with... Uh, I saw 17,000 futures and only one of them we win. I know. Yeah, that was a such a blatant <laughs> Doctor Strange end game of Infinity War ripoff concept. Uh, not that that not that that's completely 100% unique, but but obviously everybody who reads that and now is going to think of the Doctor Strange. Oh yeah, 100%. I didn't I didn't necessarily you know think oh wow Ram is doing a shitty job here, but like now that's going to be the comparison we all make. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, this I know this story to begin with was more up your alley than mine. I again liked the setup better than the payoff on this. I thought the I thought the ending while interesting was a little high and dry. Uh, I I kind of like the I, I like Merlin's look looking like kind of like like Gan like Gandalf and the and the human form of Baron Karza from the Micronauts kind of like com- combined into one. But his face looks like it, it, I mean the art I like the art in this. Unlike the the lead story, I did like the art a great deal in this backup story or the second story. But as far as there, again, there were some interesting elements again with Etrigan and everything else, but this story by, by the very nature of it was not going to resonate as well with me. I, but I, again, for me, for whatever reason, I thought both part ones were better than both part twos. Well, you know, I think, uh, I don't know that we can blame that on this, on the, on the writers or the creative teams. I think the entire setup for what future state is, or was supposed to be, uh, you know, kind of really limited him in the capacity of the stories that they were able to tell. Oh, of course. Um, and, and and as we'll talk about when we get to the Green Lantern stuff, it's 
all agenda driven, whatever, whatever, however you want to look at what the agenda or agendas are, they all have to get you from point A to point B because we know what's coming an infinite frontier, which is picking up on the stuff in these future, trying building us towards the future state is, you know, the, that future. So they have to get you there. They have to lay the groundwork for that. So yes, they are limited on that level too. So uh, I know with the justice league title, you know, that the lineup is not going to be the same as they are in this uh, in this particular issue, uh, would you be interested in continuing to read Justice League Dark then, if if the art intrigued you and if you like this the first issue over the second? Because Ram V will be writing the Justice League Dark backups in the ongoing Justice League title after uh, after the uh, what was what's it called? Uh, Fr- Infinite Frontier comes Infinite out. Infinite Frontier, yes. Um, I would be, I would give it a shot. I probably would give it a shot. I certainly would read it if it was in front of me. I would read it and see if it caught, if it caught my fancy. Uh, I'm not against it. I'm definitely not against either the, the concept of Justice League Dark. I've kind of always liked that, and it's not, and I'm not certainly against the characters that they featured in these two, in these two stories. So yeah, I, I would, I would say I would be, I would be interested in that. Yeah, basically, guys, of of the two stories in this Justice League title, you're more likely to see more of uh, the Justice League dark world that has been set up here and the characters and the way in which they are written moving forward with the dark backups in the Justice League title post uh, Infinite Frontier. You will see more of the characters mentioned in here. Uh, there will be a Wonder Girl, I believe is what they're calling it, series that will feature the origins of Yara Floor. So in terms of some characters, you'll get to see some of these people ongoing uh, in different titles moving forward after uh, Infinite Frontier. But in terms of stuff happening in Future State by the same creative team, you know, likely to have the same feel, likely to have, you know, what if you like something about it, continue post-Future State. State, uh, the Justice League Dark backups in Justice League after Infinite Frontier by Ram V will be what you're looking for there, which is something I plan on getting in terms of Infinite Frontier. I, obviously, I plan on getting the Green Lantern title. Obviously, I plan on getting Justice League because I want to read the Justice League Dark stuff, and I'm just curious generally about the whole uh, Black Adam um, or Shazadam or whatever the hell uh, that's supposed to be uh, happening. Um, but one of the other things I'm getting, I believe, is also like there's going to be a crime syndicate title, which is kind of cool. So I'll be getting the crime syndicate and uh, I'll probably be getting the Wonder Girl thing because I'm curious about Yara Floor. But uh, there's definitely a, st- a lot of stuff coming. Actually, previews just hit today. So um, I'll have to open that up at some point and, and read that. But anyways, I digress. So uh, on to Green Lantern, huh? Yeah, so me move from one issue to the next. So again, I'm I'm going with Green Lantern. I'm going to do all three of these stories, at, one after the other, and then we're going to break them down and talk about them. Um, I debated which order I wanted to do these in, but I will just bite the bullet and go with the first story first, <laughs> which picks up, which is the John Stewart story, picking up where we left off. And I should point out before I even get into breaking it down, the, while the artwork in the first issue did not bother me nearly as much as Chad, boy, I hated the art in this issue. In this story, it was even worse. People look so weird, weirdly out of proportion, some of these people. So this story picks up exactly where the last one left off with Nort. And actually, Nort, they did kill Nort. I know not, not many people will be heartbroken over this, but Nort is actually dead. Salak is just kind of dead. <laughs> Salak is still alive, but not in great shape. So while John's dealing with uh, the Kund and all their uh, God and Red, God in Red, right? All this God in Red garbage, his allies are working with some... Uh, n- new genesis tech 
John continues to rally, you know, fight the good fight against the coon. And he does a halfway decent job to the end. And then the, the, what happens here is that the new Genesis tech that they were working on creates a, a boom tube, a pseudo boom tube, if you will. And we find out who the God in red actually is, who all these coon are worshiping. One of the few interesting things in the story was how the the God in Red supposedly wiped out the Guardians, and whether we don't know if that was really Orion really wiping out the Guardians. I guess those are things that we'll have to we'll have to read about and see how this plays out. But that's it. But it's but the but the uh, the the Kun leader there makes it clear that you know from his perspective that the God in Red wiped out you know the the Guardians. But we find out you know the God the God in Red is actually is Orion who comes in looking in a weird form, but that could because of the uh, that suit the boom the the boom tube that they're really creating them uh, with it is kind of like it's it's flawed as Orion says the translation to our, your plane is flawed and he makes it clear that basically the the kund is wrong and if there's any if you're gonna follow anybody and you because you know I'm a that basically he's the god of soldiers and if you're gonna follow anyone you should follow John Stewart's lead and with that you know pretty much the you know the, the you know the prophet there for the god in the god in red is all you know he just basically he lo- he loses complete uh first he loses faith and then then then, then he gets angry. And of course, he was where he used armor for from a fallen Green Lantern, which basically gets used against him to destroy him. John ends up now. Where does the gauntlet come from? Is that again tech they were working on in the ship? I don't think so. Because they, I don't think we ever get that explanation. That's what I assume. Because the guy in the spaceship is handing in the outfit is handing him the gauntlet. That's mm. the only reason why I thought that. But either way. Maybe we'll get an explanation for the that too down down the road. We give John John Stewart puts on this almost this manhunter looking like gauntlet, which you know, which creates this energy con not green but like this energy construct sword, and everybody's going John Stewart, sword of Orion, sword of Orion, and that's the gist of that story, uh, which we will talk about more. So this was Last Lanterns Part Two. Jeffrey Thorne writer, Tom Rainey artist, Micah Taya colors. And World Design Letters, Clayton Henry and Marcelo Maiello cover, Jamal Campbell, the variant cover, Marquis Draper, assistant editor, Mike Cotton, editor, and Alex Carr was the group editor. Second story is Dead Space, since I'll do the creative team because it's relatively close to the beginning of the issue. Josie Campbell, writer, Andy Tong, artist, Will Quintana, colors, Dave Sharp, letters, Marquis Draper, assistant, Marquis, Dra- Marquis Draper is, yeah, he's the assistant editor. It's kind of weird the, the way they do this. Mike Cotton's the editor, and Alex Cara is the group editor. This is our Teen Lantern story. Uh, the art, the art is really good on this in this one. This is mm-hmm. the art's excellent in this in this story. I don't know much about Teen Lantern. I haven't read much. I think Chad hasn't read much either. But basically, what's going on here is is Kelly is brought to Oa, and she's be- dealing with the uh, the young guardians, the Doctor Manhattan looking like guardians who are concerned. Number one about how she was able to hack into, you know, basically hack into the, you know, the battery to begin with, but the fact that the gaunt, her gauntlet is eerily similar to Krona's gauntlet, so that kind of freaks them out too. So they want to figure out the origins of it. They mention that they kind of have a clue. They have the idea of where, you know, of, of where this came from, and of course, it's going to be Joe, Joe. You know, uh, Far Sector Joe is going to be the one who's going to be helping her basically uncover all these secrets. But in order to get from point A to point B, she's going to hitch a ride on Mogo and everything's going fine because, you know, she and Mogo are kind of bonding to a certain extent. But during the trip, of course, that's when whatever happens to the central power battery happens. Mogo goes dark. He's not completely inactive, 
but he, but you know, he's just his, he has his willpower alone is, keep, you know, is keeping his higher functions alive, but he's not really able to communicate. And she's freaked out and she's kind of scared. And during the time of uh, while while she's in the void, these these shadow like demon aliens crash onto Mogo, and they and they come after her, and she uses the gauntlet to protect herself. And as she and eventually, what she she kind of figures out is that because of the power of the battery in her gauntlet, Mogo is able to tap into that enough to be able to communicate with her. Then she basically uses the gauntlet to shoot power into Mogo, who helps dispel all and kick out all the all the aliens and destroys them. And she's still kind of floating aimlessly for now, 52 days in the void, but that, but, but, but at least they're alive and at least they're together. And of course, Mogo gives her his good housekeeping stamp of approval, seal of approval to her being a green lantern. And that pretty much ends that story. Now we get to the final story, which is the Hal Jordan story, last but not least, in which we kind of get some background, a little bit of background of what's been going on that it's, that what's ever going on through the universe is having more ram- ramifications than just the Green Lantern Corps going out. Uh, his ring is, is still working. It, Cyborg builds an energy amplifier for it before Cyborg himself disappears. So that's why there's other stuff going on. Hal's ring lasting longer would make sense to a large extent because, again, this is a Robert Venditti story. So it's not like he forgot this, that Hal created his own ring. He forged it at a will. So Hal flies through space. He's looking, he, you know, he's trying to get to OI. He's trying to, he's trying to deal with the core. It's interesting that you see that he he lands on some different planets, including the planet uh, that John ended up being on with the Kund. That John that Hal lands on that planet too. We see him encounter Sinestro Corps members. We see we see Lorfleas. He mentions the Red Lanterns, which is cool. He mentions the fact that he 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 kind of thought about you know the the Red Lanterns could be involved in this, and they, and they hadn't really been involved since Jessica and Simon dealt with them, which is accurate in the beginning of the Green Lantern series. Yeah, Hal's ship gets gets da- you know gets damaged he's under he's under attack he crash lands as he tries to reach you know the guardians and and anybody else he finds out you know the central power battery is destroyed and he's looking at it and then all of a sudden you hear you you're him Hal Jordan and it's it's Joe uh she grab she's grabbing Joe uh grabbing Hal by his the neck of his uniform going where were you when the core needed you and that was the end of that story and that was like I said this is a Robert Venditti story I'm trying to find recon Written by Robert Venditti, artist Dexter Soy, Alex Sinclair, colorist Steve Wan's letterer, Marquise Draper, who is busy, obviously, assistant editor Mike Cotton, editor in Alex Carr, group editor. And that's that for those three stories. Oh, holy fuck. If, if, the, uh, if the art on this recon story by Dexter Soy didn't make you just so much more upset that Dexter Soy is going to be leaving after a couple of issues and then we're going to get Tom Rainey who did this first this first story or even friggin Andy Tong from the Kelly story yeah but that that title page where it says recon yeah but yes of holy, course holy shit look at that page uh that just this this story artistically uh story-wise it's super simple it's just how flying towards space on a mission to find out what the hell's going on lands on Oa encounters Joe. Uh, super simple. But man, if it's not pretty, holy shit. Uh, this is, this is, uh, man, I really want Dexter Soy on our ongoing title. Uh, that's really all I have to say about the recon story. I mean, yeah, cool. Mention of Red Lantern. Cool to see Larfleas. Cool to see other core members. That's, that's all well and good. Obviously, I'm going to be hyped about that but it's a very simple story the only star here is in terms of like just holy shit is the art so with that in mind i have to say that the this the real uh 
the real uh, gem of this issue is the Teen Lantern story. Generally speaking, I would agree. And again, I I have I'm a complete blank slate on her. And and this in this story, I try to look at things objectively. So in this story, you can see why people can what people like about her or they the potential they see in her. But you can also see, and I'm, and this isn't an insult. This is being honest. You could also see why some people just see her as a either a brat or how is ridiculous how the mere concept of her hacking in and, and, and hacking into the power battery to use a gauntlet is ridiculous. Now, it seems like we're going to get an explanation for how that's possible, which may make it less ridiculous. But all in all, you can see the pros and cons of how people view this character in this story and that story. I do think that's the overall best story. My big issue with my only issue with that story, and it's my real issue with the recon story. And we know, and this is why I mentioned it previously, that it's all, you know, it's agenda driven. Whatever you're, I mean, more than one agenda, probably. But the point is, you got to get to A to B, and you have to get everything lined up for what's going to happen after for the Infinite Frontier versions of these books. So they're put, so they're pushing this. So we know, obviously, Joe, not necessarily, and I and I like Joe in Far Sector. Obviously, the powers that be have decided they're going to be pushing Joe as the the Green Lantern now, the best and the brightest Green Lantern, even with John still leading the core. It seems like Joe, they have a big agenda to push Joe. So everything is written to push Joe, whether it makes sense or not. They throw, you know, oh, there's, there's a mystery about the power, about the power gauntlet. It's like, oh, like we got to bring in Joe. We got to bring in Joe. Joe's going to be the master detective in the future, though we've seen no ev- real evidence to support that skill of being a master detective. But let's, let's, let's do that in the Justice League books. And then the end of the, the Hal Jordan story with Joe. Now, it makes perfect sense why her ring functions. That's not the point. But her her having the balls to read Hal Jordan, the riot act, and potentially setting the setting this up where, where Hal Jordan may be responsible somehow for all this, all the house of cards crumbling down in some way. That that seems all agenda driven, too, which considering we know who's going to be taking over the Green Lantern book, that makes sense. That's the only issue. I have less of the issue with it in the Teen Lantern story, mostly because she's not in it. Joe's not in it. But the the ending of the Hal Jordan thing, that story really rubbed me the wrong way. And there and there's and there's you know there's and even we'll talk about this more when we do the Green Lantern, uh, whether we actually do the f- three issues in one or whether we split it. That I liked issue eleven of the Green Lantern tremendously. It's one of my favorite issues. But you can see though you could chalk that up as a transition of power, maybe more than agenda driven, of getting from the Morrison series to what follows. That you could see they're kind of setting Hal Jordan up for this too. That oh it's like we really don't like what you do. Kind of like the Wolverine thing. You're the best at what you do, but we don't like what you do. So you're going to pretty much be put out to pasture after this. But before we do, go do what you do best one more time. So you can kind of see how Hal Jordan's kind of like being pushed aside and even amongst from a from a guardian perspective. And I don't know, that kind of ru- that kind of conceptually rubs me the wrong way. So, I'm go- so when we talk about the thorn stuff, there's a way it might not. It could be kind of salvaged in my eyes. But good. I don't want to monopolize the conversation. No, I just I, I thought it was also a cool way to showcase the Guardians. Oh, yes. Uh, because yes, they were a little more hu- little more human Guardians, too. Yeah. Well, they're also supposed to be more kids, you know, in a, in a way they're they're young. Right. Uh, so, uh, you know, them interacting with Teen Lantern, you know, her, you know, raising her hand and smarting off to him a little bit. And they're like, you know, hey, yeah, you tried to pry it off my arm while I slept in the background. And yeah, that went well. I thought it would work. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, yeah, it, that's kind of cool. Um, I like that she they paired her with Mogo. Uh, I think I think it's like, you know, this wise, you know, kind of old man on the mountain sort of a thing. 
piloting her through space and you know being a safe haven for her and then all of a sudden going in the dark and we can see what she's made of and that you know she she has her own ideas and she uh, she is a kid she gets scared she gets uh she gets pushed uh, aside she's uh kind of cowering for a little bit and then mogo reaches out to her she's like no um you know, I've I've got an idea, and uh, uh, and here we go, and she gives it a try. So kind of you see what would make her a, a good lantern. So I like that. Uh, and yeah, I haven't caught up on Justice on Young Justice. I have them all, uh, but I haven't read them all. So uh, that is one of my reading projects that I'm working my way through, including you know reading all the Future State stuff. So. But I would I but I would agree this that was the best story. The Hal Jordan, yeah, the Hal Jordan story was nice because Robert Venditti was writing it. But yes, again, it, it, in a way, once again, it was it was kind of self-serving because again, it was just connecting connecting the dots. But I, you got a little bit more information. I like the stuff with Cyborg being able to amplify Hal's ring, and also that you know that there's stuff going all that things are falling apart all over the place. It isn't just that. Oh, guess what? The Green Lantern Corps is gone again, and everybody else is trying to fill a gap, which of course is taking place. But it so I but yeah. I thought the Teen Lantern, yeah, I, I would gladly read more based on what they, how they set it up in this, in that issue. Now, again, we don't know how, we know Teen Lantern is going to be featured in the, in the Thorn book. Obviously, Thorn himself, whether it's just as a, you know, as a CYA or just to be as misdirection, he's kind of implied that Teen Lantern isn't going to be as big, have a, as major a focus as the marketing and the pro, and the promos and the solicits indicate that she's going to be. We don't know that yet, but it se- it certainly seems on the surface that that John, Joe, and Teen Lantern are going to be the ones that he seems to be focusing in on early. Uh, how that's going to play overall, we'll see. The Thorn the Thorn story it's it's not it's not a good sign that almost everybody who you who I've seen read talk to always picks the John Stewart story as the as the weakest one in like both books. Uh, that's not a good sign. That doesn't mean no no one likes it. We know somebody liked it because we did we did the listener feedback that that long ago, and some and somebody said they liked the John Stewart. But even Dan, who liked the first part, I listened to Dan, and he didn't even like the second part of the John's of of the Jeffrey Thorne thing. It's not a good sign when we know this is the creative team that's going to be taking over the monthly book, and most people most people seemingly didn't think that was the weakest link in in both of the in both of the issues. I. I liked the little, I mean, I, and I don't mean little, it's going to come across as demeaning it, but I don't mean it that way. Uh, John, when he was talking about, you know, that, you know, basically it's not the ring that makes us green lanterns and everything. It reminded me of Kilowog's, Kilowog's line in, in Emerald Twilight in, in issue 50 with that. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's the warrior, not the weapon when he's fighting Hal, which is blatant, which there's a lot of truth in. However, if we were reading a monthly book about ex green lanterns who never used the power ring, then they really wouldn't be Green Lanterns anymore. They would be ex-Green Lanterns because you need the ring in order to be a Green Lantern. That's not why you were chosen, but but if you're not having, if you're not making energy constructs, if you can't, then you're not really a Green Lantern in the truest sense of the word. So I like I like that part. I thought, and the one thing I thought about the about the whole central power battery being destroyed again somehow. Now I'm sure this is not going to happen, but it would be, in, but I I would approve going in this direction. That we know Jeffrey Thorne doesn't like Hal Jordan, but we know he likes Parallax Hal Jordan. So if he made so if he made Convergence Parallax be responsible for the destruction of the central power battery again, I would be okay with that. At least that would be that could be potentially interesting. But that that's the one thing that hit that hit me like after I 
when I was after I read this issue the first time and going forward about because most people are not thrilled with the idea of the central power battery either being destroyed or being or going offline because we've seen it so many damn times before. But that would be one way for me it would make it more interesting. Begin so but that. But other than that, I don't really I don't the Orion thing was kind of a surprise. I don't think I don't I didn't see the Orion thing coming as the, as him being the god in red. I thought that was kind of a nice touch. It does again. It does raise a lot of questions about I mean, did they, the did Orion really wipe out the Guardians? Why would he have done that? Was it the way they destroyed in Orion's name by idiots like, you know, this like the Kun prophet? I don't know. But I, I thought that was interesting. But overall, story I didn't care much about. I don't like to look at Jon Stewart. The artwork was horrible. And yeah, it, it, it didn't do much for me. Yeah, I, I just to say I agree with your statements on that. I really don't have much to say about it. Uh, the... Again, I, I'm not really interested in the story that's being told there. Uh, he's apparently a huge John. St- basically, all my statements from the first time we talked about the future state stand. Uh, I, I, he's apparently a huge John Stewart fan. I can see sort of what he's doing here, but his story is a is lanterns without rings. And like, I'm not. I don't read superhero comics to read about depowered superheroes. Like, sorry, I read about the, it's it's not the their powers aren't the only reason I read about them, but I read Green Lantern to read about Green Lanterns. If I read Flash, I want to see someone running fast. You know, like that's that's what that's what it's about for me. You know, a, a, a part of it, a big part of it is that's what it's about. So that's naturally not going to catch my goat. And I just it, the the art is consistent throughout this issue. So it's not bad art. It's just an art that does not in any way appeal to me. So. Again, I don't want it to make it sound like I'm bashing on the artists, like I'm saying that they're they're bad, they have no talent, they can't you know, A, B, C, or D, technically speaking. That's that's not what it is. It's just a style I do not like and does not appeal to my eyes. So that that's even though that's a negative opinion, that's not something that should be taken personally or make it seem like I'm uh, degrading the the artist. But it's just it's not for me. Uh, it kind of reminds me of Future State, or not Future State. It kind of reminds Future's me of th- Threshold. Oh, Threshold. Um, and also, uh, in a way, I'm I'm sort of hoping we get a lot of aliens involvement from uh, this artist because, despite the redesign, Nort didn't look bad. Salik didn't look bad. That those two panels in the first story where we saw Kilowog, those didn't look bad. Like he's at least his aliens kind of, kind of like monkey Doug monkey. When you got close-ups on people's faces, like human faces, their smiles were kind of weird looking, but his a, he could draw the shit out of some aliens and some creepy beings and stuff like that. I'm wondering if, like if Billy, like Billy Tan too. Billy yeah. Tan did better with aliens than he did with. And, and, and just, I kind of, I kind of get that that feeling here uh, to a lesser extent because, because again, the style overall is what bugs me. Um, but maybe there will be some moments where he just fucking nails a few aliens that look really fucking cool. And you know, I'd be more than happy to give him credit there. It's just you, you told me that Dexter Soy was going to be the artist, and then you rip that away and give us this guy back. Uh, and especially when you put the two styles back to you know, not necessarily back to back, but in the exact same issue, so I can pair them in my hands. Uh, man, did you really make a mistake? Because holy shit, like I want to see this art. <laughs> so, um, but that's that's neither here nor there. Uh, I have you read the House of L issue? 
No, I haven't, I haven't I gotten any, I, anything from this one. I don't think we're done with the God and Red idea, um, but that's all I'll say. Um, there there could be a tie-in tie between this story and the House of L stuff. Uh, I, obviously, guys, the, so in case you didn't know, Generations Forged continues from Generations Shattered, uh, which uh, that story had Green Lantern uh, Sinestro. Uh, so that's why we'll be talking about it. We'll also be talking about House of L because it's talking about obviously the House of L in the future in terms of Superman's uh, sons, daughters, granddaughters, extended family, so on and so forth. And one of them is a Blue Lantern, and we haven't seen Blue Lanterns in a while. So that is that is uh, also a reason uh, for us to be talking about it. Um, and then the other stuff I'll I'll be going through. Um, you know, actually, I think it was Swamp Thing. I think it was Swamp Thing number. Uh, that had something to do with obsidian. I'll have to double check. Um, but you know, uh, yeah, that's, those are the reasons we'll be talking about that. Um, I don't know that we'll be talking about any other future state related stuff. I think not to say what is absolutely next in terms of order, but I know that we want to talk about some of the, uh, this, the second wave of the tales of the dark multiverse stuff. That is true. I actually was I actually was thinking about that. Uh, that whether we do them all or we do some of them, we yeah they, they've been they've been they've been sitting there kind of like accruing dust. So we probably should make a plan to at least to at least do some of them. Um, so we'll yeah we'll we'll be doing that as far as just looking ahead at issues we're going to be doing. So we'll probably one more future state. We'll be we'll we'll do some of the tales of the dark multiverse. Obviously we'll. We'll be doing at least one more episode of the Green Lantern unless we decide to split it. Uh, I'm open to both. I guess it makes sense at this point just to stick to it. Uh, maybe, maybe we can con- maybe we can convince Dan to come on and do issue ten because I, issue ten I don't want to touch. <laughs> two two more issues of Far Sector. Yeah, two but more. But those issues. are spaced out. Because yeah, those are spaced released. out. We know we know we're gonna we know we're gonna have uh, one of one division episode shortly. We know at the end of Beginning of April, we'll have a King Kong Godzilla episode coming out. So I'm just so just spitballing things on things on the on the agenda that as far as that we know. And have you been reading the uh, the DC Black Label, the other history of the DC universe? No, I have not. Uh, so it's yeah, obviously talking about uh, minority communities and stuff in the DCU, and it's actually it's really really well done. It's uh, John Ridley uh, is a part of it. Uh, Giuseppe Camicoli, Andrea Cucci, Jose Villabura. Uh, that's uh, that's both issue one and two I have here in my hands. Uh, John Stewart is mentioned heavily throughout this and kind of his role in inspiring other, uh, at this point, African-American heroes uh, to step into the spotlight and stuff. It might be worth it to talk about the other history of the DC universe at some point, uh, because I believe it's supposed to be a five issue series. I think they've only solicited four so far. And given how heavily Jon Stewart has been mentioned in all of these, I think a lot of people are anticipating the fifth issue to be Jon Stewart focused. Um it's just an idea I'm throwing out. The only problem I, with that is is these black label titles, the bigger books that are more magazine size than uh than comic book size. Uh, they are wordy SOBs. So I'm not entirely sure we would do like a, a full on recap because they're, they're pretty dense, but they're uh, the, what I've been saying uh, anytime I talk about these is these, the other history of the DC universe, the individual issues, they're long reads, but they're important reads. They're very well told, um, very interesting points of views. Uh, and, and the way that these, 
uh, that these uh, heroes operate. So the first one was Black Lightning. The second one uh, was, I think, Bumblebee and her boyfriend. And I think the next one is supposed to be Katana. And I, th- and I think the fourth one is supposed to be The Question, Renee Montoya. Or I could be getting that reversed question and then katana but basically how you know uh people uh people of other ethnicities in the dcu have uh you know not only became heroes and did their thing but did so you know in in the the culture and the climate that they that they did so in uh especially you know the black lightning one was a really good one to was a really good one to pop in there they actually i think black lightning in at some point in the story gives john stewart some hell for like why don't you call yourself black Black Lantern or something, something to that effect in terms about owning who he is and that sort of a thing. Uh, so that's kind of cool. There's there, I, I, I don't know if it's something that, cause I know like the, the more preachy or whatever sort of comics aren't necessarily up your alley, alley uh, but they are interesting fun reads. So. No, that's absolutely something we can, we can look at. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just because of how it, how it's going down and, uh, uh, it's especially if issue five turns out to be a John Stewart uh, issue. Uh, you, you, all the people I talk to um, over at uh, at my LCS, which is uh, for those of you who don't know, I, I started a, a subscription at a new comic book store that's about a mile from where I live. And it's uh, Bat City Comic Professionals uh, in Austin, Texas, off of East Caesar Chavez, if you're ever in town. Um, what's actually interesting is we have listeners who go to Bat City. And I don't mean like, like uh uh like you know just austinites apparently some people who are like from san antonio which is guys who you don't know texas is a huge place you think san antonio and austin are close and they kind of are but it's like san antonio is like an hour and a half two hour drive away uh so uh it's not all that close um so you know people who's from san antonio would come into town and one of the things they'll do is stop by bat city and pick up a couple of books or just support the store and apparently like you know we someone said like i heard them mention bat city on the episode i was like wait people are listening to the show who go to the store like it was a really trippy thing for me to be like whoa uh hi uh i i don't see these people myself when i'm in here but apparently people are coming through and like they are oh shit he talked about bad city so uh there's another quick plug for them but no uh whenever i talk about this i'm obviously talking about it in my lcs and basically anytime i talk to somebody about the other history of the dc universe they're like yes we're waiting for this thing to go to a john stewart place in the final issue so it would make sense 100 percent all right, so yeah, uh, one more Future State episode. We got the Tales of the Dark Multiverse. We got a couple more Far Sector, the one mega episode of The Green Lantern, maybe the other history of the DC Universe. We got Godzilla versus Kong, flip a coin, who knows, a WandaVision, flip a coin, who knows what's next. Uh, but I guess we'll uh, we'll uh, go from there. Uh, if anybody has any comments on what we talked about tonight or what we'll be talking about in the future, how can they reach out to us? Lanterncast at gmail.com. The website is lanterncast.com. Follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook, hashtag GLCast, to track us down there. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. So whichever platforms you listen to us on, please leave us a positive review. Last but not least, if you'd like to leave us a voicemail, 708-LANTERN, or text 708-LANTERN, and let us know what you think. That's right. Don't forget, guys, we have a Twitter follower contest going on right now, the rules of which are only explained currently on episode number two four or, or 422, uh, beginning of the episode. You don't have to listen to the whole thing, though we'd encourage you to. Uh, so go listen to episode 422 if you want to know how to enter. Uh, basically, once our Twitter account hits uh, 
uh, 1,000 followers at LanternCast, like Mark mentioned. Uh, once that hits 1,000 followers, the contest will end, but only then does it end. So could that be now? Could that be two weeks from now? Could that be two years from now? It's all up to you. Uh, so, uh, if you want to know more details about how specifically to enter, cause it's a little more involved than just following us on Twitter, although that's the main thing, uh, go listen to episode 422 for those details and we will talk to you guys later. Good night, everybody. Good night.